This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello, and welcome to this virtual qualification recording of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, FA, recorded on Saturday, January 15th, 2022. I am a food addict from California, and I will share my story of recovery from food addiction. Well, welcome everyone who is listening today, especially newcomers. If you are new to FA, I'm happy that you're listening and hope that I say something that resonates with you today. If not, there are other podcasts where you may hear your story. I have been in FA since November of 2004. After 20 years of escalating misery and trying everything else in the book, I stumbled upon FA in the fall of 2004. At that time, I was staring down the throat of 40. At five foot four, I had dieted my way up to past 220 pounds as a woman, not a linebacker. (laughs) And I have been in FA and abstinent by the definition of this program for 17 years now. So I got a sponsor on November 12th of 2004 and have been um, abstinent by the definition of this program since. So 17 years plus now, one day at a time. You know, if you are here and if you are gonna stick around, which I hope you do if you're a food addict for sure, is uh, you will hear a lot about gratitude, about the, the concept of gratitude. It made its way into our meeting format as a central tool of ours that we use as an action, not just as a concept. And today I'm very grateful to be here and to be of service because just to get you current really quickly, I just found out two days ago that I'm going to be laid off my job in the midst of a pandemic that is happening right now in the world. And I just can't tell you how much I would eat (laughs) if I weren't in program, if I, you know, if I didn't have this program, if I didn't have this uh, runway of all these years, I can't tell you how much I would eat over that. But the truth is that I ate when I got jobs. I ate when I lost jobs. I ate in the middle of jobs. You know, my most common reaction to life was food, food or restricting, right? My disease, this affliction, this allergy, whatever you want to call it, that we have in common here took me by the throat all over different expressions of how this food addiction manifests. So I have starved myself over time. I don't identify as a bulimic, but I used throwing up on occasion because I was so out of control and and hated myself for being out of control and unable to stop putting, you know, food in my mouth, despite what I had 
looking forward to, right? A 10 year high school reunion or going to somebody's wedding or a you know beach vacation or something like that. The kind of drivers, external drivers that I would have, they'd be like, I'm gonna diet this time. This time I'm gonna lose the weight, January 1st. So what I see today in the program that I have today, uh, especially people who are outside this program ask me often like, you know how to do the food plan and weigh and measure your food. Like you got it. Why are you still in that program? The reason I keep coming back is I just got, I'm getting laid off, you know, and this program has given me through the community that we have here, the tools that we have here. And most essentially, this is a 12 step program. The 12 steps that we have here that I've been exposed to gives me a safety net for life, a blueprint for living that I, I just, I have not found anywhere else. You know, this has given me the deliverance of evil from food addiction. The obsession with food has been lifted for me. And one day at a time, I keep coming back because I have a kind of resiliency and capacity to deal with life that I just didn't have before, despite all the self-help books that I read, despite all the love of my family, despite the incredible friends that I had over time, this program and this like comprehensive system that we have here of help, of a solution, helps me most simply put, deal with life, you know, to deal with life. I'll go back a bit and just tell you how this disease manifested itself. I don't know nature, nurture, whether or not I was born a food addict. In this program, through all the meetings that we have, three a week, all the stories that I've heard, the, uh, you know, me telling my story ad nauseum over the years, the readings that we have, other literature that we have helps me, the AWOLs, the step studies, the 12 step studies that we do in this program help me connect the dots of my story and reflect back and, and understand better how I tick and the building blocks of what led to a life of addiction, expressing itself in food and body obsession and self-obsession and things like that. So what I've been able to put together for me is that I came into this world for whatever reason as a sensitive soul where things seemed to, I was able to understand as a kid, seemed even then as a nine-year-old, that things hit me harder, it seemed, than other people. And I was from very young looking for things outside myself to soothe myself. So I was a thumb sucker way beyond when it was cute. I had a blanket like Linus that I dragged around with me that had, you know, like holes in it and dirt and it had been burned partly in a fire and stuff. And I still had it for comfort with me. I, I needed to have those things. And as I got older, I sought things. I continued to seek things outside myself to soothe myself in the way of this is all unconscious things, but again, you know, ways I, I've been able to put this together for myself over time in working the steps in this program. But as I got older as a teenager in my twenties, trying to be popular, everything was all good that I didn't have to worry about what people thought of me or whether or not I would be invited to places. I sought the attention of boys from a very early age and the competition with girls for their attention very early to be, you know, held up and get my self-esteem from exterior places. 
So, so that I can see that at some point, you know, I tried all the things that many of us do as kids. I tried all the drugs, I was relatively promiscuous with boys and things like that in a pursuit of attention and to feel attractive and things like that. But what really caught for me was food. It took the edge off. Now, looking back on it, why? a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old who doesn't have a mortgage and things like that needs to take the edge off. I don't know. But again, I think I came in as a sensitive soul and life was hard. It felt to me the blows of the emotions of life, my handling my own emotions and reactions to things was tough. And so I see now I was medicating myself with food. And as life got more independent and then I got, I was more responsible for whatever my life was. I needed more medication to handle it for some time. It didn't show up on my body. I was a dancer and a relatively active kid, but as life's pressures mounted and I was not able to, or even if I tried capable of honing other coping skills, food was always my default. And so I relied on that. And for many years, it worked. I'm blessed with parents who are still on this earth, who are loving and wonderful with each other and with me. And I'm an only child and we have a rare, communicative, fantastic relationship. And when I was a little kid, they, my parents went through a volatile time together where it was looking like maybe they weren't going to stay together. And they were fighting all the time over money and sex and everything that everybody else fights over and in our insular family and small places that we lived, I was exposed to all that stuff. And I remember then, you know, again, connecting the dots of my story through the 12 step process here, uh, the gentle, wonderful, supported 12 step process that we do here. All the memories that I have is that I began to take food as a comfort back into my bed with me. I would be so upset that my parents, like many families, our family would come back together at the dinner at the dinner table that my dad would go off to work my mom would go off to work i would go off to school we would come back at the dinner table and if there was you know some upset between my parents they would have it out right and i was there as their witness and i would be so upset about it that i couldn't eat there would be crying at the dinner table not always but there would be you know upsets after things would calm down and they would go off and make up, I would go into the kitchen and sneak into the refrigerator and bring, bring food back into my bed, into my bedroom with me as a comfort. And that worked for me for many years, that kind of unconscious who knew then medication with food, right? Medicating with food of taking that edge off of numbing a bit of going toward just this human experience of going toward pleasure and away from pain. And so when I went off to college, that was my coping skill. And I was, came from the woods and went into, went to UC Berkeley. And I went from being like an only child with my tiny own bedroom to a campus with 35,000 people in a dorm on a, with a room with dozens of other women and living in a high rise building. And I began to eat and eat and eat and eat to quell that anxiety that I had, you know, that I didn't really know how to deal with or how to, what to name it at that point. And then it began to show up on my body. And then came my years and years and years of yo-yo dieting. At that point, 
with my youthful awesomeness, I was able to sort of think away those five pounds. And then those five pounds became 10 pounds and it became all the diets that I did back then. Alba 77 and the AIDS candies and the Scarsdale diet, everything. And then after college, there was Oprah did every magazine diet, trying to get back to my body. But I was also driven by an obsession with self and a perfectionism around my body. My dad, he was a photographer in the Hollywood industry when I was really young. He gave that up to be an artist. I had from a very early age, images of perfection around my home, what, what, what society felt like, female perfection there to compare myself with at a very, very early age. And so that set up a kind of thing for me where I was always comparing and despairing when it came to my body. It was never good enough. It was never thin enough. It was never, never, my body was never smooth enough. I remember beating my thighs with a wine bottle to try to smooth out my cellulite, looking at myself in the mirror and examining my pores for hours on end. You know, it was never quite good enough. So it wasn't just about food, right? It was, it was also so much about how I looked and how I, if I felt acceptable in society or not, if men would like me or not. I never worried about my sense of humor or my smarts or whether I was worthy of relationship. My parents had loved me very well, but it always came down to how I looked. So that just dogged me, you know, and I did diets for years and years. And then as I got less active and older and had more responsibilities and kept using food, I began to creep up over time, over the years. And at one point I was in a terrible relationship and was not right for me after college. And I just ate my way through it like a, a drunk drinks. He was a chef, which is mainly why I liked him and stayed with him. He would work nights and I would eat before he came home, like maybe an alcoholic would drink in order to suffer the blow of his, you know, negativity. But I didn't know how to get out of the relationship. So I just stayed in it and ate for the better part of a decade. At some point, I saw a girlfriend that I hadn't seen for years and she hadn't seen me through this relationship. We were together, you know, in college and she saw me and I saw her and I was like, wow. Oh, you, you look fantastic. It's so great to see you. And she was like, hi, you know, she saw me. I was up at that point at, on my, again, five foot four frame at 187 pounds. I had dieted my way up to, and I could see my reflection in her eyes and how much I had changed, how much I had given up, you know, the life that I was wasting in fear that I was with this man that where it wasn't working and I was eating over it constantly, but with no skills to get out of it. And it took me a while longer to get out of that relationship, but I did. And then I dropped a bunch of weight and I was like, see, it was him, you know, it was his fault. And then life happened again. I had another relationship. I had a business relationship that went sour and I began to use that coping mechanism of food again. And at that point, you know, I had before I came here, we talk in FA about the progressive nature of our addiction. And I experienced that before I got to this program. And I began to eat in a way that I hadn't before. I say again that I don't identify as a bulimic, but I began to make myself throw up on occasion because I was so out of control. I began to try to control things coming out the other end because I couldn't control them going in my mouth. So I started 
abusing cleansings, like uh, natural laxatives, and was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to doctors to try to cure this thing. And I just couldn't do anything on my own. So just times 10 years, times 15 years, times 20 years at that point, at one point, I was doing this final diet that I was going to do the Dr. Phil ultimate weight loss challenge. I don't know if any of you have experienced that back in the day. And one of his things was a very kind of Cosmo magazine thing where do something else instead of eat, treat yourself to a manicure or whatever it was. So I had a business acquaintance that I had done some trade with. I'm in marketing and she owned a spa and I love massages, but I didn't want to be naked in front of anyone else, you know, definitely not myself, let alone anyone else. But I went to her for a massage and I hadn't seen her for some years and she was huge and I was huge and we just sat and commiserated and I enlisted her in that time to do this diet and I like let's do this thing together and we had this bright idea that we would weigh in with each other and call each other once a week and do this support. I had always thought that my thing with food was a moral failing of my own or a medical anomaly. And that's how I went after it for years to try to cure this thing on my own. I'd never reached out to anyone else to try to help me with it. So this was Dr. Phil thing was create community around it. And so I did, I tried and we had this deal to help each other. And then she disappeared on me. And I went to my parents, my loving, beautiful parents and said, if this thing doesn't work, I'm going to do this thing. If this thing doesn't work, I have to go away somewhere. And I didn't mean that I had to go away to an eating disorders clinic because I had looked into those and I asked them every time, what do you do after? What do I do after? I, you know, I loved the idea of the control tape being taken out of my hands at a, you know, at somewhere where they would give me, you know, total portion control and I wouldn't have my own refrigerator or restaurant down the street. And they always said, we teach you portion control. And I just thought, man, there's no way I've done that. That was one of the first things I did go to a nutritionist and have them put those little plastic models of things in the palm of my hand. Like I'm beyond that. There's no way. So I got to go away somewhere like I need to be institutionalized because I was being driven mad by this. I had a wonderful, beautiful life when my dad decided to be an artist, and not a commercial photographer. I experienced some pretty significant poverty in my youth, including homelessness. And I found a way to get myself through school and buy a home as a single woman in downtown San Francisco. And I sat in it and ate, you know, and I was at my wits end. This woman that disappeared on me reappeared a couple a couple weeks later and said, I'm sorry, you know, to disappear on you, but I found this thing called FA, Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous. One of my clients mentioned it. I've been to a couple meetings. There's so much we have to do. I didn't have time to call you, which I understand now, <laughs> but you should go to a meeting. And so I did. And that was in the fall of 2004. I went into the room Everybody looked skinny to me. I walked in there at past 220 pounds, again, at five foot four at 40 years old. Everybody looked young and blonde and skinny. And I thought I was in the wrong place. And they spoke about God in unison. And the minute that I got in there, I wanted to get out of there for sure. But I stayed there because somebody dragged me to the front of the room and I felt self-conscious about leaving and somebody put a newcomer packet in my hand. And I took that newcomer packet home and stopped on the way to get a bunch of 
pastry items <laughs> on my way home, but that newcomer packet resurfaced at some point and I did the 20 questions that are in there and it was just yes, 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 yes. And divine intervention, number whatever, I found myself going back to that meeting because it was in this kind of Bermuda Triangle. It was near my house, four blocks away. I went to the meeting. I was working out with a personal trainer at the time, three days a week for 80 bucks a pop. And then it was by the bakery. And so I thought I'll do that route and see how this diet works, this FA diet. And then a couple of weeks into that, going and doing that and eating like dead man walking, like all my favorite foods in the world, I could feel that something was building inside me where I was going to give this other diet a chance. It was something different. There were other humans involved. They were telling stories of success. I didn't believe it. I thought all the photos were photoshopped in these in-person meetings that I was going to where they shared those. But I found myself back there and then someone stood up at the meeting and spoke. And she looked like me and she sounded like me and she swore a little that made people feel more human to me and not so per perfect. And then she raised her hand during the time in the meetings where we asked for available sponsors. And I went up to her and got her phone number and had somehow felt driven to do that. And I called her up and I said, you know, can you sponsor me on November or on January 1st? thinking that there was no way that I was going to be able to get through the holidays. This was mid-November, National Overeating Day, Thanksgiving was coming up, Christmas, you know, the celebration of New Year's. Can you sponsor me on November 1st? And she said, uh, yeah, it doesn't work that way. I'm going to raise my hand at another meeting. And I said, but I can't, you know, I, I haven't been on a successful, I haven't been successful with diets for years. There's no way I'm going to be able to get through these holidays. And she said, well, you don't have to worry about it because this isn't a diet. And in my head, I said, what is she talking about? But instead, I said, like the exorcist, <laughs> you know, I said, okay. She said, great, you live alone, get rid of everything with flour and sugar in your house and meet me at a meeting tomorrow morning, and I'll tell you what's up. And I did. And my life began to be transformed. I fought everything. Why do I have to read this book at night? This, uh, this 24 hour book, I'm not reading it. I spend all the time by myself. I'm not doing 30 minutes of quiet time. Are you crazy? I'm not going to be in my head anymore. Why do I have to three meetings? Why isn't it four meetings or two meetings? I'm not calling three strangers during the day. I don't have any time for that. But I did the things I weighed and measured my food. And I fought with her about it every morning, but I weighed and measured my food. And then we weigh in on the first of the month. When you first start, you weigh in monthly oftentimes and tell your sponsor what your weight is. And my sponsor asked me to do that. And I just refused because I said, you gave me this food plan. I haven't been deprived. I know I haven't lost any weight. I'll just get discouraged. I'm not going to do it. And she you know, said, you got to do it. I'm a lay person. We got to make sure you're doing this in a safe way. Get on the scale. And I was like, no, yes, no, yes. And I got on the scale and it was like Las Vegas like, what is, what's it going to be? You know, what's it going to come up? And it came out 11 pounds down. And I had not been able on my own power to do that for years. And so that opened up my ears a bit. You know, that was persuasive. I was looking to lose weight. I knew there was something wrong with me besides whatever, you know, I was putting in my mouth, but I was here to for the vanity. 
So I began to listen to what she had to say and what others had to say. And I began to do the practices of this program. It has transformed my life in every single way. For me, the two big persuasive things were the truth that people told from the beginning of the room that I could tell that resonated with me, that I knew somehow I was in good hands. And then I was enlisted in service very early, and that's where I found God. That's where I found a higher power, the kind of synergistic system that we have here of give, get, give, get, give, get, you know, uh, really struck me and was persuasive as well and gave me another layer of accountability and engagement in, in this fellowship that we have here. And then the 12 steps came in in the form of an AWOL and the 12 step study that we do in this program, which is a closed group where we study the, the steps in, in um, sequence together. And I began to understand the nature of my disease and let myself off the hook for all the things I had done and hadn't done as a human in this world and make amends for those things. Have, have the ultimate cleansing that I was looking for, but a spiritual cleansing instead of, you know, a, a, just a body cleansing. And then I got, you know, grew in this fellowship, such incredible relationships and support, and then had, um, with the help of these 12 steps and everybody in this program, had a kind of spiritual awakening of my own understanding, which was really important to me, not coming from a background of religion, uh, an awakening about, you know, that for me, that everything is about love and everything is about service and helping folks on this earth. So everything's gotten better for me money, sex, you know, uh, uh, love, relationships, except for getting laid off recently, I am able to handle whatever life throws at me today. Life doesn't stop when addiction does one day at a time. And I am able to meet those challenges in a, such a well-equipped way today that there's, there's no going back for me. That's my story. I hope it helps someone out there. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.